When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit, and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Back from Town today. And just want to mention David McKeown, Electrical and Paul, who gave us a great dig out in Town on the hill yesterday. Thanks, lads. Really, really appreciated. You're very welcome to the show. Lots of chat over the next couple of hours. And we'll be dipping into the brand new Usk store in Drogheda. Yes, they've come from Denmark. They're in Ireland. And one of the first stores in the country opened in Drogheda today. And we'll be there. Helena Mullins will be joining us in a wee while. But first up, let me uh, read this for you. I dressed like a yellow bin today because this is where all the unused drugs go when brought back to me. Yes, those are the words of Laura Dowling. She's well known across social media as the fabulous pharmacist and she's on the line with me. Hello, Laura. Hi there, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for taking our call. And, uh, you know, we spotted this post. You're a, a great social media woman on Instagram. And those are the first lines of an extensive piece you wrote about this subject. Now, I asked our listeners in the promo for the show today to go to their uh, medical cabinets or presses and just have a look at them and see what's in them. Just tell them what happened that prompted you to do this. Somebody brought back what to you? How much value of drugs or medicines? Yeah, well, look, first of all, I want to say that the Irish healthcare system is a very caring system, and that's why I work in it. And we have access to healthcare medicines for all our citizens. So, um, and the main reason for me to be on social media is for health promotion and awareness. So I can talk to people about subjects that they may not necessarily be aware of. So, um, the reason that I um, made that post was, you know, someone brought back um, a huge amount of unused medicines that had built up in their home over a period of a few months and this wouldn't be an irregular occurrence in the pharmacy where we would get medicines back like that um, so unused um, untampered with medicines that have to go into the, the bin for incineration we can't repurpose those medicines we are bound by strict guidelines as pharmacists for patient safety issues because we don't know once they leave the pharmacy how well they've been looked after or whether they've been under strict temperature controls etc so that's money that has just gone into the bin, basically, and been incinerated. And, and the, the, the whole point of the post was, A, people should be taking their medicines as prescribed, and if not, should maybe be talking to their doctor or their pharmacist about it, because it can lead to, you know, um, if they're not taking their inhalers properly, it can lead to them uh, going, have an asthmatic attack and ending up in the emergency department, amongst other many, many other things that, that, that it could lead to. So... But also, if there is a build-up of medicines in their home, um, not only is it a danger for, say, small children and, and, and animals that could be in the home, but it's also a build-up of money that could otherwise be, be put back into our, our, our healthcare service, which is heaving at the minute, really. Look at our healthcare assistance site and strike last week, looking for better pay. Um, so that was the point of the post, and I suppose it caused a little bit of furore. So, um, you know, I think it's just about making, making everyone aware about... Um, building up medicines in their home may not necessarily be a good idea or and um, that the pharmacy is a place that they can bring it to, to for safe disposal anyway but to maybe do an inventory in in their home of, of the medicines that they do have that they get on a regular basis and um, 
whether it be monthly or bi-monthly and and then if they if they have an inhaler that they're not using or medicines that they, they haven't used to not get that the following month mm. you know be kind of mindful like that yes it's I, I i i say to you well done because this has uh, brought this issue into focus. You do say in the post that you re- there was about €800 Euro worth of unopened medicines that that patient brought back mm-hmm. to you. And yeah. y- you you extrapolate that in terms of, we have 1,500 pharmacies in Ireland. What do you reckon this is costing the country? So I conservatively estimated that if we have 1,500 pharmacies in Ireland and we take back, each pharmacy takes back in the round €500 Euro a week, which is very conservative because... A, you know, there could be a lot of medicines just going out into the household waste as well. Um, but that makes 39 million euro worth of, of medicines that could otherwise, you know, that could be money that could be, you know, pumped back into our healthcare service. Where, where it's really needed, it's needed in, in hospitals for doctors and nurses and healthcare systems. It's needed for other novel drug therapies that, you know, aren't available for people because of their high cost. It's needed for, for GP services as well. GP services, I see, are heaving. You know, um, there, there are so many other ways we can, we can uh, put this money to, to better use. But I think the, the, the entire chain of supply has to, we have to all rethink what we're doing. Now, I can only affect things on a pharmacy level from a pharmacist's point of view, and one pharmacist alone can't do it. But I think, you know, from the top down, we need to, we need to be rethinking how we're using our medicines and, and um, you know how we can better better serve our patients and better serve our our entire society by by putting the money to better use. That figure has to be higher, may I say, Laura? Like you are being yeah. conservative, thirty nine million. But when you I'm say it, very conservative. Yeah, but thirty. I didn't want anyone saying that's crazy. No, it's not. Come back, and you know all the pharmacists that have seen that post, and uh, whether they've commented on it or not, uh, there's been so many shares, like two, two, 2.2 thousand shares of that post already. It's, it's, it's reached, I don't know how many thousand people, I think about 350,000 people at this stage. Um, so, you know, I've, I, pharmacists would stand behind me saying that, that that is conservative, you know, and I've had many postal pharmacists even say, you know, you know, it's the same in hospitals. I've had but Ireland isn't alone, but we can only really affect what happens mm. in Ireland, isn't that right? That's it. That's it. It's our own uh, job to do that here. And if you take uh, more millions onto those 39 again, what could that do for our health service and yeah. the money and that we would have available to us? But listen, let me ask you a few things about this, right? Okay. If I'm on... Um, a monthly subscri- uh, uh, prescription, and, and I can t- I can speak for myself here. I I, I take uh, a small blood pressure tablet. I take uh, a statin and uh, an aspirin uh, yeah. each day, and I, I get those monthly. But I'm meticulous with taking them. I take them as prescribed every day, and I never miss. And I use up what I have. Yes. Uh, are You're you an say- ideal patient. Oh, <laughs> thanks, a million. But no, I'm only I'm only <laughs> citing this as an example, right? Um, yeah. Are you saying to me that people are getting monthly meds and not taking them? That's the cause of a build-up, or is there another issue why they're building up? There can be a build. There's there's a number of reasons. So you know, people need to be able to correctly manage their medicines. As people get a little bit older, there may be a little bit of confusion. They may not. They may not uh, take their medicines as 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 prescribed as the way they should. I mm. just put up a post today about a leaflet that's available in every pharmacy in Ireland. It's also downloadable from the... Someone mentioned, someone messaged me and said, it's also downloadable from Tala Hospital website, so it's probably downloadable from a few hospital websites yes. about correct patient manage, about correct medicines management where people can list all their medicines. They can um, they can uh, come into their pharmacy. We can help them list their medicines. We can help tell them how to take their medicines, why they're taking their medicines. I think it's important that people know why they're taking their medicines and the importance of that too. So... Um, Yes, if someone is, is getting their medicines uh, month after month and they're not mindful of them building up in the house, then, you know, they're just putting their prescription in. They're maybe not saying to the pharmacist, I don't need that, I don't need this. Now, there's a lot of patients that, that, that do look after that and, and they, they will come in to me and they'll score off what they, what they don't need. But then, likewise, there, there are other patients that don't and they just, you know, get their months, their medicines month on month. And I only have visibility about the patients that are bringing the, the medicines back to me. I yeah. don't have any visibility about what's going into the into the household waste, which is which is is dangerous as well. That that those kind of drugs and chemicals going into landfill too. So mm. you know, my message is there's a number of messages there as you can see. It's bring your bring the stuff back to the pharmacy. 
uh, but also be mindful of, of the build-up of, of drugs in the house. But, but more importantly, it's taking medicines as prescribed. It, that's really important. Yeah, you know, and is that the key? The is that the key, Laura? Is that the thing yeah. that's happening? Is that why this build-up happens? People are not using their medicines properly, not taking them as directed, and then they find they have loads in their cabinets. That, that can be, or it could be a case of there's, there's a medicine under a prescription that might be PRN, which means take as required. All right. It's not required anymore, yeah. like a pain medication or yes. something. And they just don't require it anymore, but they, they, so we, we need like maybe med- medication reviews done in the pharmacy. That's something that pharmacists, you know, that's what they do over in England. They do medication review forms regularly. Um, and, you know, on, there were some comments on my, on my post about the fact, oh, well, you know, doctors should be reviewing this regularly. Like, you know, poor GPs are under so much pressure. Sometimes they only get time to, to see a patient for, for 10 minutes and doing an entire, you know, medication review can take, can take up a long period mm. of time, especially if, if the patient has something wrong with their shoulder or something wrong with their head or, you know, and they took to look at the whole body and they have a, a waiting list, a waiting a list of people outside in, the, in their surgery as well. So I think, we we all need to be careful and kind of there's a, there's a there's a sense of personal responsibility as well. But you know I do understand that there's elderly patients that might find everything very confusing. But the pharmacy is there as kind of a stop back gap to to help people and and maybe and carers and family members can maybe be a little bit more aware of this too. Now that this has kind of been brought out into the public domain, this is this is what I'm hoping for. You know. Mm. Now the issue and you you mentioned at the very start there you're not criticizing the system you love it when you compare it for example to the like of the united states which you have in in this post but you know there's a nominal contribution if you're on a medical card but you know it it may be nominal but those drugs cost a lot more well yes and that's why i i made that um this that's that's why i i just gave that as an example there are we have loads of schemes um, on our on, in our healthcare system, where people get their drugs rightfully for free, yes. so anyone on the long term illness will get their diabetes. Anything related to their diabetes for free, and um, anyone with cystic fibrosis can get a, a, a lot, lots of medications related to that for free, and that is is right, and and, and I absolutely agree with it. Um, so, but I was making the comparison there. So if you spend maybe two euro on on an inhaler, that costs. Uh, so that might cost a medical card holder two euro, but it will cost a private patient. 55 euro so if if you know that there's a big difference there and i and i see every day people struggling to pay that 55 euro for yeah. their inhaler and sometimes then i have that patient not taking their medicine as prescribed as prescribed because they can't afford to take that and then on the other hand i have a bag of inhalers being brought back to me by someone who's, who's built them up because it's just about awareness it's not it's not about you know pointing the finger at anyone. I think that if we were if we were all more aware of the situation, maybe it's because it's medicines. People don't see it as as things going off, and maybe I think some people did think if they bring them back to the pharmacy that we can recycle them. But the, the, the reality is is that we can't. You and can't. If if we had four steak in the fridge slowly going off, we wouldn't go out to our butchers and buy two more, would we? No. So why would we do it with medicine? And which, that yeah. is a very good comparison. But let's 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 say today to listeners. Here's an opportunity. We often, and we've talked on this show about visiting your wardrobe and doing a spring clean and just, you know, getting to the nub of it, what you need and what you're using. Why don't we all today visit our medical boxes, our cabinets or our presses, do an audit ourselves. If there's stuff there, take it out, bring it back to your pharmacy now and start from today with a clean slate. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's from a clean slate, you know, and... And, you know, we we are there to help you manage your medicines. That's what we want. We want you to take your medicines as prescribed so that you don't end up in hospital with an asthmatic attack or with a heart attack or with, you know, a broken hip bone, which you, you, you may have been preventable if you were taking your, your, you know, your medicines as required. And if you're worried or concerned about your medicines, we can always, you know, talk to you. We have private care rooms that we can take you into and, and discuss your medicines with you and, we are there to help you, and, and that's what I want. I want everyone to be more aware that they should be taking their medicines as required, and that you know every day is a new day, so we can just start off as we mean to go on. And the other aspect of this, I'm just thinking, and I was talking to Louise uh, this morning about my producer. I'm sure if people go and look now, do this, folks. If you listen today, do this for us. Just do this as an exercise and maybe let us know what you find. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. You can call in on 1850-715-958 or join us across LMFM social media platforms. 
take a picture take a picture of what's there and send it in to us till we see what yours is like we won't we won't name and shame you I promise you just to give us an no, idea no. but but here's the thing do you know proprietary cough bottles medicines like this that we buy in the winter if you have a bit of a cough or this they build up as well they do yeah they do and they will have an expiry date on them either from when they are opened or there will be an expiry date on the box so I suppose it's about going through those. And yes. The expiry date is there for a reason, so we shouldn't be using expired meds. Um, is that important to say? Is that very important? It, well, it is, because they degrade over time. So it's it's like anything. It's like a food expiry date. You know, you shouldn't be taking them because it may not have the... It may not poison you, but it may not have the beneficial effect that it would do if it was in date. So okay. it's about, you know, watch, watching that too. Mm. And then the whole thing as well is about... Um, our wastewater, if we're pouring antibiotics down the sink, you know, that's going into our our, our water system. Yes. That's, you know, adding to our antibiotic resistance. So we should be bringing all those things back to the pharmacy for correct incineration. Okay. The other uh, thing is, and I've experienced this, and again, that office upstairs of ours, we should have the microphone switched on up there before we come on air. But anyway, you know this thing of sharing medicines that someone says, I have a bit of a uh, thing on my chest there, a cold, I think I need an antibiotic. And someone says, oh, I have some at home that I haven't used, I'll give them to you. What do you say about that? Okay, well, first and foremost, a lot of us uh, upper respiratory tract infections and those kind of things that people think that they need an antibiotic for, they don't need an antibiotic for at all. A lot of them are viral. So people sharing antibiotics is just adding to antibiotic resistance because you can probably be guaranteed if people are sharing antibiotics that they're probably not taking them as correct, as you know, as directed, which is you should, you should be complete course. It should be either three times a day or twice a day for a full seven to ten days. And if people aren't doing that, if they're only taking them for two to three days and go, oh, sure, I feel better already, that's great. That is leading to the whatever bacteria that you do have in your body becoming resistant to that antibiotic, which leads to, you know, our methicillin-resistant antibiotic in, in hospitals and leads to, to further and further problems down the road for us as, as the years go on and as antibiotic resistance increases. Because bacteria are very clever little things, you know, when they just they just do a little mutation and they're suddenly alert, they're suddenly resistant to um, an antibiotic that they have been, you know, that, that has worked on them for years. So I wouldn't advise the sharing of medicines, and um, certainly not that sharing of medicines. If someone has a headache, if you have a paracetamol tablet, of course it's it's okay to give them uh, according to the instructions of the pack. Or always though, mm. um, but yeah, no, um, I would I would say that antibiotics should be taken as prescribed by a doctor and only if it's necessary very very important Uh, it's great to talk to you today thank you for highlighting this I really do say that this is a significant matter and you've done real good with this Laura Dowling I want to say to you today oh you really have and let's do it let's do it folks now come on let's get in there sort out these cabinets go to your pharmacy with what you have there and you want to return get it done and start from today start from this day yes yeah Go to your local pharmacy. The the yeah. form you have the forms in the pharmacies. We're in your local pharmacy and uh, get cracking with those straight away. You are a fabulous pharmacist. Great oh, to talk to you, Laura. Take okay, care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's Laura Dowling there. Come on, folks. Let's do it. Let's do it. Get to it straight away. Late lunch. LMFM radio after the break. Stevenstown Pond. Oh, loads of people love it and know it in Louthan Mead. We have a story from it. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors for exclusive 192 offers on all things Renault and Dacia and the full Renault commercial van range. Get down to Blackstone Motors showrooms in Dundalk or Drogheda today. 30,000 of you enjoy it every year. I'm talking about Stevenstown Pond and its facilities in Midloud. Geraldine McCullough is the manager and she's on the line. Afternoon, Geraldine. Good afternoon, Jerry. Hi, how are you? I'm good, and you're chirpy for what has happened. Tell us what went on there early hours of Tuesday morning. Yeah, well, well between 12, 12 midnight and 4 a.m. I won't be more specific than that, Jerry, mm. because uh, we do have CCTV coverage of its own, and it's with the Gardaí. Sadly, unfortunately, and very seldom it happens, thank God, I'd say it's more vandalism than a break-in. Um all I all I suppose really I'd say is that some bodies, young people arrived and gutted the barrier. You know the barrier for coming yes. in sort of thing from a hospital or anything like that. Just broke the arms of it completely, which we thought was as simple as that. But the electronics were gone in it, and the sad part is it's two euros. Um, 
when you exit the barrier, and that money, it's a community project, as most people would know. That money goes strictly towards the insurance of the project and the maintenance. The insurance is approximately, I think you've covered insurance that well recently. Yeah. I've been listening to it. Um, the insurance is approximately twelve, thirteen thousand euros per year, and that goes towards that. It would never meet it or patch on it, but anyhow. But the barrier was broken the week before that, and it cost twelve hundred euros. So it's broken again, and we have to get the company down to repair it. Um, but you know that's not the worst. The money's not the worst. It's the next part of it, which I put on Facebook last night. Um, is the fact that. The wildlife, it's a wildlife park, it's a wildlife nature park and gorgeous swans, ducks, um, coots, moorhounds, always lovely to look at and nobody should get too close to them. But they are two swans and they have two baby cygnets and whoever came in sadly disturbed them or annoyed them in some way. Um, whether they, I don't know whether they hit them or what now they are not they are okay they are perfectly okay thankfully mm. um, so hopefully maybe the swans fought back the reason we think that may have been the case is that a lot of kitchen roll is all around the place and that would have been in the uh, tunnels which is you know the flower houses for growing flowers the plastic tunnels sort yes. of thing so it was it was in there so we think there would a bit of luck maybe the swans fought back which they probably did to protect their signets yeah. but they are okay I stress that there are so many people come on to Facebook and thank you to everybody for their concern some people are telling us which we would love to do of course to publicise it and to name and shame with the CCTV footage but as we sort of mostly all know we cannot do that for mm. legal reasons and would be against the law data protection and GDPR so we can't do that but we have um, handed it over to the local Gardaí who have been more than helpful and cooperative and they are actually now sort of you know taking care and maybe driving past once in a while they're always very good and mm. dropping in and visiting sort of thing to make sure that it doesn't happen kind of yeah. thing you know, and that's this, the sad part it, this it, saddens you know. me and it annoys me as well and I'd lo- I know what I'd love to uh, do yeah, myself yeah, because yeah. it would just make you mad as hell I know they damage they cause damage in the tunnels and that as well but look at this is a that. place that yeah. people love and so many people get great joy out of it and yet there's an element that can't leave well enough alone and have to do things like this annoying the swans and their young as well it's just shocking but you have the CCTV the authorities are taking care of that and I hope they do take care of it and care of the people who they will identify I'm sure who, who were responsible for this but the message from Stevenstown we're open for business and they ain't going to get us down yes? Well, Yeah absolutely we've got a you know, we've got a new uh, state-of-the-art playground and if you were there, you know, at the moment, it's just packed here, so it is, with people, families from the local area, um, Drogheda, Dunlear, Mornington, Armagh, Newry, uh, you would see it on Facebook. Yeah. And people just come, they have picnics. The most it costs you is two euros to get out. Mm. Um, I love that. that. Towards, <laughs> no, you, there is a coffee shop there yes. that is newly opened, uh, the Willow Tree Cafe, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Mm. Ice cream, you know, the usual sort of thing. Breakfast, lunches, afternoon tea, all home baking sort of thing. It's lovely. But you can sit around without spending money. And that's what families are doing. Playing ball, having a picnic, taking photographs of the around the park. But again, I stress, you know, you do see some people putting children over the sand beside the swans and the signets to take photographs. And you say, oh my God, no. No. You know, because they are wildlife. Nobody yes. should, you know... See them, enjoy so them, take pictures yeah. from a distance, but don't engage with them. Anyway, I just wanted for a few moments to tell people Thank what happened, much. to say to you, again, keep up the great work there. It's uh, loved by thousands and thousands of people, Geraldine, and we wish you well. We have a, thank you so much. We have a lot of good people, a lot of hard-working volunteers, a lot of hard-working community employment people, and, you know, that's what keeps the place going. And the local community are great. They are yes. very protective of their project, of their environment. A lot of hard work has went into it. In fact, when I think about it, it's the 4th of July. So the project opened on the 14th of July, firstly, in 1996. Yes, and it's a long time on the go. And if I don't yeah. stop here, my news are going to kill me because we're almost okay. at 2 o'clock. Geraldine, I'll talk to you again. So much I promise. Thank, thank you, you indeed. Bye. Love. Bye.
Bye bye, bye bye. Geraldine McCullough there, manager of Stevens Down Pond. Now, I have to admit, I've never heard of this before. I'm well familiar with cognitive behavioural therapy, but when I heard of cognitive rehabilitation therapy, I said, what's this all about? I have to find out more. And we are going to now for the next while because it is fascinating. I'm delighted to welcome Too Late Lunch to tell us all about it, Dr. Neve Rowe. Neve, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting us, Jeremy. See, I got mixed up with the two, <laughs> even okay. myself there. But it honestly, I, I mean that. You know, we know CBT and we've dealt with it quite a number of times here over the years. What's the distinction between one word and the title? The cognitive behavioural therapy focuses on the psychological, so your emotional state. So it's more about your moods and how you're dealing with them and your behaviour. Where the cognitive rehabilitation, which is what I do, deals with the functional capacity of the brain to think and to learn. So it's like the engine of the brain, how the brain actually processes activities during the day. What is it applicable to? Or why do I say, because I know, but do you may tell our listeners, why is this exciting for people? Um, it's a service, it's a form of a therapy for people that have been diagnosed with cognitive decline. So again, that's your thinking and learning that we use every single minute of the day to promote our daily activities. So it really focuses on your attention, your processing of information, your memory, and then the executive, which is your problem-solving decision-making. And it's a therapy Therapy that concentrates on these areas for people, like people who've had a stroke, um, people who've had brain injury or post-concussion or even the early stages of dementia. So it's like really getting to work with the brain Mm -hmm. and uh, reprogramming it in in a way Mm -hmm. to try and get back to as near as possible to full function. Yeah, Um, it depends. It's very individual and it's very uh, sort of personal centred. So the aim of the therapy with the individual and their family is to ascertain what's going on first. Okay, so what actually happened to cause the cognitive decline? How is it impacting on their daily lives? And once we've ascertained what level of cognitive whether it's attention or memory, we can work on it. Now, what we do is we focus either on whether the person can relearn the skill that they've lost. And if they cannot relearn it, well, then it's a case of compensating for it. So it's about giving as much independence back to the individual following the diagnosis of cognitive decline. Do you know what people say? They become forgetful. Sure, I'm mm. like that myself. At times I, I do something, I, I don't remember the next minute that I've done it or I leave something aside. Mm. Is that is that a worrying sign for people and something that we should be looking at? No, everybody, I mean, if you're tired, fatigue is a huge issue for people with any form of um, brain injury. And that can impact on your level of, of memory and cognition in itself. So it's not, oh, I'm after forgetting something. Does that mean it's an early diagnosis of mm. something? It really, you'd have to take into account, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Is there something on your mind if you're stressed? Obviously, if you're concerned and if it's happening on a regular basis, yes, go and speak to a medical professional about it. But it wouldn't be something that I would be if you misplace glasses for one time oh, yes. that's it we're in so trouble that's, that's encouraging for people because people worry about this yeah. today that there are signs and maybe they read too much into them mm. but you're saying no matter what age we are mm. if we're under stress if we're busy in our lives if mm. we're tired if we're not eating well if we have worries the, these really are um, side effects of of that that yeah. you'll become forgetful do things mm. yes yeah but when you think about what's actually happening when you're trying to remember something it's the mechanics of the brain trying to process and recall information you know where did I leave the keys and so forth mm. if you're very tired you're asking the brain to perform at a certain level and at that stage, the brain is trying to tell you, I'm tired, can you give me a few minutes break or I'm stressed? So it's going to impact. So it's literally, if it was happening a regular basis and if you're concerned about it, keep tracks of it, but see if there's anything on your mind that could be impacting on it. But I wouldn't, unless it's happening on a regular basis and actually impacting on your life um, or if your families are concerned about it as well, to speak to you and then bring you to see a doctor about it just to see. Talk to me about stroke mm. uh, for a moment and somebody who suffers a stroke. And of mm. course, that can be to varying degrees as well, yeah. how speedy it's dealt with and uh, how severe it was. Mm. With your work, how 
progressive have you seen people mm-hmm. be from a situation where it looked dire maybe? Yeah. Um, well, over the years that I've worked with, I've worked with a lot of people with stroke and then more traumatic injuries like road traffic. And the aim of cognitive rehabilitative therapy is to get in as soon as possible so that the individual can start working on the areas of decline. So the ideal time would be once the individual is discharged from hospital and has settled back into the home, literally within three months. Um, And they're more familiar because a lot of things you wouldn't see initially. You may think, oh, I'm just losing attention throughout a conversation. Um, But it's not recognisable at the early stages. And the person has to be able and ready to actually say, "Okay, I need to deal with this. But once they deal with them, yeah, I've seen really good success. Uh, Once the individual and their loved ones are on board, um, it's very much focused on their own needs. And it's a process. It's a journey. It's not a speedy thing. Um, And it can be like you can go years later and then the person could come back to say, there's a change in my daily routine. Can you just go around and go through with me again? So Mm. I am I have seen people and helped with people go back to work to go to go back to college um, and then I've seen people and worked with people who have also made great improvements and they're actually now getting back out into the community, reintegrating, volunteering or just even just assisting in the family, they're bringing the kids to school. To them, it's what is important yes. and that's the aim that I would strive for. Yeah, and, and for some people, small steps and changes yeah. make a huge difference yeah. to them. Yeah. Uh, but that's fantastic to mm. be part of oh, somebody's yeah. journey like yeah. that. You must get great satisfaction from it. It's a, it's an honour because I've been very lucky to to work and support some amazing people over the years and their families. You will never know everything. I am. Um, mm. I will never know everything. But the amount of learning that you get from working with the individuals is amazing. So yeah, I've been very honoured. Um, and actually have achieved quite a lot with it. Yes. Yeah. One to one, yes. Is, mm. is that the way it works? And that's the the, the, key, the kernel of this, that it must be on that basis. There is one to one and that's for the intense therapy if you want a more individual because each person is different. Yes, they may have all, you may have two or three people sustained a stroke but as you said, it depends on the location and severity. And then we've all got different lives, different personalities. So the one to one is individual and it's personal centred. I do run groups of brain injury awareness and cognitive rehabilitation workshops and therefore more integrative, more educational. So the individuals get to learn about the brain, how it functions, how it may have been affected, address certain issues like fatigue and then go on to learn about the cognition as well. Just a question there. We have a family member struggling after a severe concussion uh, and uh, they lapse from time to time. Would this help? Yes, it's from what I can gather from what you're saying, has the individual been diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome? Well, they're not yeah. saying they're just saying yeah. concussion yeah. in general. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it would because what would happen is we would me- I would meet with the individual and ascertain what's actually happening on their day to day. They're probably maybe experiencing migraines, fatigue, maybe sensitivity to noise. You know, so yeah, we would look at and addressing the needs of the individual. We mentioned stroke. You've touched on dementia. Concussion has come up there. Yeah. Brain injury. You've yeah. said as well. What about MS? MS and Parkinson's is when the individual is going through cognitive decline and they're having difficulties with word finding or in memory and it's it's part of the, the condition that people can go through that. So yeah, again, it would help for that those individuals. So when 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 I come to you, you assess me. Obviously, an assessment ha- happens first and you look at the history and what's mm-hmm. involved. How does it work practically? How how do you walk me through this? Is it, is it a mental thing? Is it physical? Is it repetition of actions? What? Um, well, the, once we do the assessment um, and it's identified what area the, the individual wants to work on, it's very much a group thing because it would be myself and it would be the individual and their loved ones working collectively together because there's okay. no point in me just working with the individual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is an awful lot of, I mean, the individual, to be honest with you, has to work on sort of... Um, sort of evolving and actually accepting but also looking at their confidence and self-esteem which could have taken um, a dive and we also I also try and get the individual to focus more on their abilities acknowledge their disabilities but focus more in to help them move forward in their journey reinforcement is obviously a big thing yeah motivation encouragement and support um how long does 
a, a typical course take? Or is, am I saying, am I asking really how long is a piece of string or is there? It, it depends on the individual. Um, usually it'd be about eight sessions. Um, but again, I mean, I've worked with people that after four sessions, the issue that they came to for assistance has been addressed and they feel fine and they're able to move forward. And then I've worked with people for like 16 weeks. It depends on the individual and their needs. Mm. So. Memory, uh, something I mentioned a while mm. ago as well, is it? Is it? Uh, you have uh, exercises and uh, uh, manoeuvres and things you do in, in your in your training and and all your experience because you're about seventeen years mm. working at this as well. Is it? possible to really make a big difference with somebody's memory? Yeah, because it's a way of how we take in, because in order to be able to remember something, we have to see how their attention levels are, because you have to be paying attention to take in the information. So in other words, instead of just looking actually at the event itself, I look at the process to see how they are and to see if there's something that we can do to assist the individual to help reinforce. It's all about using as many different approaches and senses as possible to help install the memory and then to recall the memory. It tends to be the recalling of the memory is the problem as opposed to creating the memory in the first place. You've heard the saying they have the attention span of a gnat. You've heard this, especially with children or that, and even adults as well. But improving attention spans... It depends, again, on the individual. Um, it depends on what ha- what is their attention span now. So I've worked with people with a two-minute attention span. In theory, people don't have more than 45 minutes of attention span. We're all human. We will get sidetracked every now and again. But it's start working in small batches. So you don't... I wouldn't go from wanting somebody to be two-minute attention span to jumping up to 45 minutes. It's a gradual process of doing techniques and exercises to improve the sustainability of their attention span. It's for any age, is it? Or do you, is there a lower age limit? I'm just thinking that, that you start working with. Yeah. Um, no, I predominantly work with adults. Okay. Um, but I would, I haven't, I've only worked with two children over the years, but in, in general it is adults. Um, and unfortunately, with regard to brain injury, um, stroke and road traffic, it can happen at any stage. Mm. So it doesn't have to be like stroke. People are getting younger now, sustaining them. So it, it, it's open to all. So uh, no age a- at all. And again, the strides forward are remarkable when you, you see what um, can be achieved. Mm. How come we don't hear about the rehabilitation, cognitive rehabilitation therapy, and yet cognitive behavioural therapy is all mm. over the place? Yeah, um, I think with regard to the cognitive behavioural therapy, it, there is a been a big drive on mental health and it's needed. So, you know, the actual form of therapy is very good for the individuals that need assistance in that area. The cognitive rehabilitation is because a lot of of brain injury and the cognitive side can be very hidden. There's a lot that goes by that's unnoticed uh, and it is definitely something. Now, people get great service in in the hospital to get all the attention they need which is fantastic and then in the outpatient service but it's the following on once you're discharged is is when because I mean when you have cognitive decline it can be lifelong so it's not something that will go away unless you attend to it. And if you do the course uh, and work with you Mm. Do you need refreshers? Do you need to come back to you? Or is it a, is it a fix that's done? Or do you need to repeat? Um, it would, again depends on the individual, Jerry. Mm. The, what would happen is the techniques would be given to the individual and strategies would be worked on. But what can happen is after a few years, if there's a change in the routine, like just say if somebody's gone back to work and we've worked on different techniques and strategies, but then there's a change. The person may have difficulties altering those techniques to suit the environment or the situation. So it may need a little bit of a refresher to look at what's actually happening in the environment at that stage and how we may need to tweak the strategies or techniques. So brain injury, a, a trauma, dementia, stroke, MS, Parkinson's, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, etc. All under the umbrella of rehabilitation therapy. Yeah, it's anything to do once your thinking and learning capacity has been diagnosed as declining or declined or it has there's a deficit in it. It's so, we're sort of working on how the person learns and what's the best way. So instead of saying it's the person's fault for not being able to learn, it would be my role to see, can I ascertain why they're having those difficulties and see what we can do to actually support them in the learning process. 
It's really encouraging, I have mm. to say. And when mm. we saw it, we said we have to have a chat yeah. uh, with Dr. Neve Rowe about this. If people want to find out more about you and what you do or get in touch with you after this conversation today, how? Um, if they want to give us a buzz on 089-403-7041. If somebody prefers to email, it's nevrocrt at gmail.com. Or if they just want to look at my credentials in academia, you can find me under Dr. Nevro on LinkedIn. Absolutely. And it is all there. Thank you for coming to Late Lunch today and to tell us about this as well. And again, I say it's uh, uplifting to hear that this is there mm-hmm. and what it can do and what can be achieved as well. At times when people probably feel there's nothing. Lost you, and isolated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wish you well. Dr. Neve Rowe, Thank thanks you. a million. Thank, Thank you. you. 40 years ago, it all began, 1979, I'm talking about Dunboyne Tennis Club, and I have one of the founders with me today on Late Lunch. Miriam McManus is here, and she's joined by Liz Wariski as well, who's a member of the club for quite some time. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much, much for Thanks joining for me. Us. It's great to have you and us. Miriam, come on, bring us back to 1979. How did it all begin? Well, it began, there was a new school. And as part of the school, they put down tennis courts. But there was nobody playing on them, so the local curate called a meeting. And eight people turned up, and it was decided that we would start a tennis club. Now, it was a school yard as well. And we had the nets, and we had um, the poles. But they had to be put up and taken down every time we played because, as I said, it was a school right. yard. Yeah. So initially we had very few a number numbers. But that summer when the uh, the pupils were on holidays, that's when it really started. But we had no adults. It was just teenagers. But that started the teenagers and, and they, they spent their summer around and that was great. So... Time moved on anyway, and about 1981, we uh, we teenagers and they were they were getting quite good. So we decided we would join the Mead League. That time, the Mead League. Mm. Now, in order to join the Mead League, you had to be a member of Tennis Ireland, and to be the courts had to be of a certain standard, and our courts were Tarm Academy, and. Um, being a schoolyard, you can understand what state they were in. So we approached the parish priest and eventually we got money and we got two of the courts surfaced. And that was grand. That really start, started. And you were started. able to affiliate then with Tennis Ireland. Exactly. That's, and, a, that's a very important yes, point, isn't it, to and, make? It is, yeah. And, and yeah. Because, can I just say, Tennis Ireland, they're being still to this day, are very supportive like Richard Murphy and Nick, Nicky Coffey yeah. there, we had to apply for a grant because mm. we're a small club. So, of course, we have to do a lot of fundraising. And they really, really were very supportive in helping us get the Sports Capital Grant. OK. And, yeah. you know, with other bits of information. So that was really well. a, a, yeah. a defining moment it for was. the club. So you're in the school, you get them resurfaced, you're playing in the mid leagues, you have a, a vibrant young membership as yeah. well. Yeah. But you're still part of something else, yes. You you know, you are tenants, really, to the school. Exactly. So then, next thing was, in 1988, the community centre was opened. And we decided we would relocate to the community centre because the courts were available any hour we wanted. So that th- those years, we went, I have down here, 1992, we rented 750 hours. Now, we had to pay for every hour, of oh, course. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had Sunday morning, Tuesday evening and Friday morning and junior hours in the summer. And we got great help from the, the parents and, the, and some of the adults. And they came to supervise because they all had to be supervised. Mm. There's no supervision in the community centre as so, such. So they, we had to supervise them. And as I said, the standard, the standard grew. Mm. And then the seniors joined the starts to come and our reasons for the club was fresh air, exercise and good company and, <laughs> and we got that. <laughs> And, and you are like living that. testament yeah. to that, yes. can I say, yeah. isn't she Liz? Yeah. Well, Miriam is playing really, really brilliantly at the moment, still. And I asked her in the car on the way up, do you want to tell your age? She said, I don't care. So go ahead, Miriam. I'm going to be 80 in September. Well, you don't look a bit of it, she may so I say. so fast on the court. You would Isn't not believe how well she's still playing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fit, you must stay fit. Yes. Yes. And that is a good message yeah. to give to everybody. 
Now, you're, you're growing, your adults are there, and you're really motored now in Dunboyne with the tennis, but I, I'm sure you still have this yes. desire to have your own home, yes? Yes, yes. After a while, we decided it was time to start looking looking forward and looking towards getting our own premises. Mm. So it was, it was that wouldn't be easy, of course, land and one thing, another. Mm. So we, we started to raise funds anyway and we had quiz nights and diary draws and raffles and things like that. And the membership then in that those years was €40 Euro for a family, €25 Euro for an adult and €9 Euro for juniors. <laughs> And they're still nearly as competitive today. <laughs> the rates. Yes. Yeah, but I tell you, you wouldn't buy much land. Well, that's it. exactly, exactly. With that. So we were very fortunate. In, we heard in 1993 that the Clan E bypass yeah. was being completed. And they had a, a work depot there. And there were, it was being completed. So we applied for the area. Yes, where that it, was. Yes, I think it was... I, one and a quarter acres, I think, mm. off, offhand, mm. I can remember. So anyway, the residents of Clanny backed us. Now, there was a few people interested, yeah, but the residents backed us and we got the land. And suddenly you have a home we, of your own. Yes, we have the premises. We have land. Yeah. We have no money, mm. but we have the land. So we... we Decided what would we do so we get, we offered twenty year membership to our 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 uh, members. members, and that's how we surfaced the courts. Okay, and that's how we really. How got many courts have you in the uh, in the new facility? Uh, we call uh, it the new facility. With the new one now, yes. we started with two, and yeah. we now have four. Okay. Which are being cleaned and resurfaced at the moment. At this point in time. Courts, okay. Yeah. So you have four courts. Have you a changing facility? Oh, that yes. We have. <laughs> Mariam has brought a picture of it. Oh, look, you brought me yes. even a picture. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's yep. worth mentioning as well that upstairs we have a table tennis club as well, which is very, very active. And they're doing very, very well as well in local competitions. Okay, so another so related sport yes. to the tennis as yes, well. That's Winter right. time and that as well. Brilliant, Excellent. Yeah. yeah. How is your membership? How many play now? Well, we have around 100 to 120 at the moment and about 30 in the table tennis club. So we, we need more people to, you know, generate more membership, to generate more funds and that. So that's why we're having an open day. This is falling in so well with yes. our open yeah. day, which Wimble- is Wimbledon. And Wimbledon's on at the minute. Why wouldn't you talk about tennis? Yeah. And you have a big day coming up this Sunday. What's exactly. this Sunday all about? Tell me. Okay, well, this Sunday we're having what we have every day, day is an open year, open day, sorry, for tennis for our club, and it's from 12 to 3. We invite everybody that has any interest in tennis to come down, join us, see our facilities. There'll be refreshments there as well. Because, as Miriam said, our club is not just about people who want to be in competition, it's about people who want to just play casually. It's for beginners, it's for people who've never played tennis before or table tennis but would like to try. So it's it's a very casual, friendly social club. Okay. This competition is. And just to mention again, it's this Sunday from twelve noon till two o'clock. Is it three? Three. Three. Sorry, twelve to three. In our location in Clanee, behind the Arcoon. Okay, just just yeah, pinpoint where that is. How do people get to that? Well. We have a lot of signs up in Dunboyne okay. and in the surrounding areas at the moment. But right. how to get that coming, it's behind this group of apartments called Ord Cloon, yeah. not just beside Little. Past Little coming from Dublin, first turn right. OK, that's that, yeah. that pinpoints it there for us. And I the thing to say about these courts as well, they're floodlit. You can play right we round. We play winter leagues, we play summer leagues all year round, yeah. which is great, yes. And we we've just got two of the courts resurfaced thanks we got approved for the grant from the Department of Tourism and Government Sports Capital uh, Programme and we and we got enough money to cover two so we have two brand new courts lovely 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 well a lot of the local councillors helped us with that I know I know sure listen it's it's something that has to be supported it really does now Talk about, you're right, tennis is for all ages, of all abilities, and you open your doors to everybody. But you have developed some very good young players, haven't you? Yeah. You have some real talent in the club. Tell us about them. We have a resident coach, Eddie Velas, there, who uh, trains adults and children. But a lot of the people that he's coaching at the moment are children. Now, we also have a family there as well, the Pertax. And the father, Robert, coaches the two children, Beatrice and Patrick. The girl, uh, there's a girl, Beatrice, who 
is participating in Europe at the moment in semi-finals, and she's got to the semi-final of the IFT, which a lot of the you know top tennis. That's players, where they start. That's, that's where, they start. where they cut their teeth. Spain. Yes, and that's where they start on their journey to the full professional game. And the people you'll see playing at Wimbledon yeah. uh, the, these couple of weeks as well. So these are real hot prospects. These, these are children, hot, and these are the future of the club because um, the people that Eddie's coaching as well, the children. You know, a lot of them are winning. Uh, tournaments mm. around Ireland and in Dublin as well. I won't mention them all, but I have yes, any, I know, I'll give I know. you the names anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all doing so well, but there's there's a really uh, strong competitive element amongst the children. Uh, they're doing very, very well, but as we say, they are the future of the club. Mm. So as Miriam was saying, when she started it, you know, it was teenagers and children, and that's what we need. We need fresh blood and new blood in coming now in as for well. the future as for well. The future, yeah. Come back to Miriam here. How often do you play tennis? I play Tuesday night, Friday morning and Sunday morning. And she's out walking in Dunboyne as well. I walk all the time. <laughs> and do you love the game as much today as ever you did? Better. <laughs> Better because I can give more time to it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. The family are reared and that sort of thing. And I enjoy it. And I, it's, it's great to be fit to go down. And, and run around. Yeah. When did you start playing? Do you remember back? When did you start I'm playing? I'm from tennis? Galway. Okay. I'm from Galway. And I lived within 10 minutes from the Galway Tennis Club. Right. And so I lived there. <laughs> In fact, the tennis club, our house, the tennis club and the sea. So you take your tennis racket and your swimming oh, yeah. gear with <laughs> the idea you go to play tennis and then go to the sea. I must say, I didn't get much of the sea. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you stayed in the tennis. Playing the, the tennis, tennis all the time. Yeah. So you brought that love with you when you moved from west to east. Yeah. Oh, well, I, as I said, uh, when I got married, I went to live in Kilkenny. Right. Now, I didn't play any tennis in Kilkenny, rearing the children and so on. It's when we came to John Boyne. Yes. And I found very difficult when I came to John Boyne. It was very small. Mm. And I, after coming from two cities between Galway and Kilkenny. So I was delighted when the when the local curate mentioned tennis. Club. You were away. I was away. And did it do a lot, you know, to integrate you and your family into the community? Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. I mean it was an opening to lots lots of things. And what I liked particularly was a lot of people who had only a school with tennis played in school as part of hmm. the PE. They came back. Yes. And a lot of the, the women who were rearing their children came back. Mm. Because the standard well, didn't saying, There was nothing for the girls in Dunboyne about 40 years ago. And uh, there was nothing for the girls. So she that was one of the main reasons to start off the tennis club because mm. boys would mainly play football or soccer. Yes. Right. And then she said, once we get the girls involved, the boys will follow, follow. them. And that's what happened. <laughs> and, that's that's what happened. happened. Yeah, and you have a nice great. membership, a nice mix of male yeah. and female yes. in the club as oh, well. We have a lovely yeah. mix, uh, you know, yeah. and what we do as well is we interact with other clubs around mm. Meath and Dublin and we organise weekends away. Like we're just back from Longford. Had a great weekend there, met them there. Mm. Uh, we did Sligo. Uh, last year, and you go and play the clubs there. Oh, yeah. You travel and yeah. play, and it's right, and a bit back, of competition. Yeah. And, been, and we make a weekend out of it as well. Yeah. And, but we're also involved in like friendly leagues as well. You know, we're playing Stack Allen tomorrow night now, for example. Low local derby in yeah. Mead. More oh, there'll <laughs> be there'll be wigs in the green. Yeah. The yeah. umpires will have a, their hands full there, so they will keep keep all them with that. I'm only joking. Yeah. But yeah. Stack Allen, another great club as oh, well, and a long established yeah. club there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so. When you watch, have you been? Have, have you been to Wimbledon? No, I told you, you didn't get there yet. I've been to Roland Garris. But I tell you, Roland Garris, you, unless you get as, so somewhere near, I was up in the, up in the clouds. In the, <laughs> I, I knew there was somebody playing down there. <laughs> unless you get a, a proper seat. Did you get a good seat? Well, I have to say, I was there the year before last and we had terrific seats and we saw yeah. fantastic tennis. Yeah. You know, and my daughter was there on Tuesday, just gone, oh, and wow. she saw Federer oh. and. Joanna Conte and all oh, these yes, as well so yes. it was terrific be my you know. dream to go to oh go yes, yes. I, I do say it, yeah. that was my yes. dream yes. to go there as a, as a child I've always watched it and loved it as well Played we'll organise it do it <laughs> there's a trip for Dunboyne <laughs> Club to Wimbledon this woman come on members of Dunboyne are yeah. you listening Miriam McManus the woman who was one of the people who set it up all those years ago hasn't been to Wimbledon come on <laughs> this has to happen
She's a special she birthday yes. coming up She deserves soon. it, yes. Wouldn't that be a nice little touch? I think it would. It really would. Yes, it would. No, anyway. Anyway, anyway. Look, anyway. I wanted to acknowledge 1979 it all began. Congratulations to all the people who started it and who've kept it going in all its guises mm-hmm. since. And this beautiful uh, club rooms that you have and beautiful floodlit courts on the old Kilbride Road and Clen- uh, in Clonee is there for everybody for the future. And we'll remind them again, will we? Yes. Sunday. True. This Sunday. This Sunday, the 7th 12 of to July. 3. 12 to 3. Come along. Come along. Everybody's welcome. You Everybody. don't have to be a great tennis player. Not no. at all. Not it's at for all. beginners as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You yeah. love it. And yeah. table tennis as well, you know. Yeah. I just think, unfortunately, tennis sometimes is the, un- the forgotten sport. Oh, not uh, at all. You know. We'll never know. forget tennis. Are you mad? Yeah. It's a fantastic sport. It really is. Thank you both for joining me yeah. on the show today. Yeah. It's really a pleasure to meet you Thank and you I wish much. you well. Here's to the next 40 years yes. for tennis in Dunboyne. Mary McManus and Liz Wariski. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. The Late Lunch brought to you by Blackstone Motors, setting the standards higher for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit your regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive offers with lowest can be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? Did you know that the Leinster Fla, Fla line is coming to the northeast? Yes, at Boy and Rathcarn is the place to be from Monday next until Sunday the 14th. And we're going to catch a flavour of the Fla with some good folks from the area in a few moments. Yes, you do know Fla Kjol is coming to Drogheda in August. But listen to this. The Leinster Fla is in at Boy and Rathcarn next week and they're expecting thousands of competitors and visitors to the area. I'm going to talk about it for the next while because I'm joined on late lunch by Sean O'Leary, Quiva Levy, David Gil- Gilroy and James Hesnan. And there's two young men here who are going to play for us in a moment. Yes, the, the Durkins, Fiona and Oshin are here with us as well. You're all very welcome to the show. David, if I could start with yourself. You're on the local organised committee. This ain't the first time the FLA has been to Atboy. I didn't realise this. Absolutely. Uh, it's very nice to be here, Jerry. We're delighted to be here um, and very excited about what's happening in Atboy, Rakhar next week. Um, it's been 12 years since the Leinster FLA came to County Meath and we were lucky enough to host it 12 years ago um, and did such a great job at the time that we were awarded it again. Um, you know, the community in Athboy and Rakhar are fantastic uh, and able to put on, have the resources uh, community-wise and volunteer-wise to be able to facilitate um, and just host such a wonderful wonderful event. Um, like we've, we've included this time around lots of ancillary and extra events to, to um, complement the competitions. Um, so it's starting on Monday. It's going to run right through till Sunday. Um, you know, we're looking to have four and a half thousand competitors, uh, and then you know, you'd imagine maybe twenty thousand people will come with us as well. So it's, big. it's extremely exciting mm. time to be in in the in the Boyne Valley, certainly, and in, in the in the Athboy Rakhine area. It too. really is. Let me talk to this man here who's beside me. He's a very important man. He's Sean O'Leary, and he's a Kiltis Clockter. Have I got that pronunciation right, Sean? Yeah, not too bad, yeah. Not too bad. <laughs> Very important man here, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are an Keep important man. Keep it flowing. <laughs> Tell me this about this competition, because we know all the periphery of the FLA and everything that goes on, but this is a serious matter, and the two young men here, which is, well, who'll be competing, the competitions. The Leinster qualifiers go forward to the national finals in Drogheda later. Is that it, the way right. it works? yeah. First place and second place, and sometimes third place go forward to the All-Irelands from these competitions. And these regional <coughs> provincial competitions, the mighty competitive, I take it, everyone wants to be in the in the ultimate final. Serious. <laughs> You'd really want to be in there to see the seriousness of them, you know. Yeah. Incredible. Like the standard of music has gone now literally through the roof from what it was 20, 30 years ago. There are children now like these lads here playing music at a phenomenal level. Mm. It's just amazing. And it, it's a pathway for them in uh, the future of their lives as well to bring music with them no matter where they go, where they travel, what they do. I've always said to them, wherever you bring an instrument, you have friends. Absolutely. Take out an instrument anywhere in the world you're friends immediately. Do you know, it's Amazing. one regret I have in my life that I actually, I took up the guitar a few times but it got a bit sore on the fingers and I left mm. it down. I should have stuck with it, Sean. Should've, should've oh, I should have stuck with ah. it as well. But these are great times for you people oh, yeah. in, in County Mead and then right on your doorstep, the flower coming to draw it again. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. It's fantastic. I mean, I remember a time, I'm not that old, but I remember a time when traditional music was almost gone. Mm. Literally. 
and then Coltus was founded back in 52, 400 branches worldwide now. It's just an amazing success story, you know. Yeah, it is a wonderful yeah. success story. Let me bring into the conversation Creva Levy, who's with us this afternoon. Now, look at this programme that's before me here, Creva. It's amazing what's going on in Atboy every single day next week from morning till night. But you want to talk about something very special, these workshops. Tell me about them. Yeah, so as part of the programme of events the Leinster Fla have on, we have additional needs workshops running from Monday to Friday. So um, these workshops are kind of catering for people who wouldn't necessarily always have had a, a, a role to play in the Fla or have an a- access to it. Um, so from 10 o'clock till 4 o'clock on Monday, starting on Monday, we're going to have workshops with four therapists. Um, there are music therapists and movement therapists the most famous of which might be, you might know, Tommy Hayes is a, a musician from yes. Stockton Swing. So yeah. Tommy has been great. He's come on board with us and he's gotten three other therapists that he knows through his work. And they're going to be running workshops with people with different special needs um, from Monday to Friday. And at the end of every set of workshops, we're going to have a, an inclusive Kaylee and there will be a performer at every day of the Kaylee um, sort, of, sort of showcasing what they have in terms of talent and maybe be a bit of an inspiration to the people who are attending the workshops every day. Um, so we're so excited. They're, they're on in the convent, in the convent community centre in Atboy. Um, and we're really lucky as well because that facility is used by lots of people with different needs. There's an autism support group set up by parents in the town and they've, they've created a sensory garden and they're allowing us to use that during the week as well for any participants in the, in the workshops. And there's also a special hands group who have done amazing work in developing the community centre to make sure that it's accessible to everybody in mm. the area. So we're really, really lucky. It's an ideal location to run these workshops. Um, and we're kind of hoping that it's a kind of a pioneering event that other FLAs might take on board what we're trying to start here and that they might go forward and it might become a regular event to hold alongside the FLA so that everybody can have access to it. You're at the vanguard here. You're right <laughs> at leading along yeah. here with this and I congratulate you on it. Yeah. It's a wonderful wonderful thing. Let me have a word with another man who's with us today. James Hesnan is here. He's on the FLA executive in Mead and he's vice chair there. The Fair Green is going to be a busy place in that boy next week, isn't it? It is, Jerry. The Fair Green is going to be rocking from Friday. <laughs> I love it. All day Saturday and all day Sunday. We have some amazing acts coming on board. And uh, from Sligo, I have a brilliant international band, Dervish, with uh, Cathy Jordan. On the f- Just before that, we have John Spillan, the great singer-songwriter from Cork. And on the Friday night, we have the Raw Bar Collective. And on the Sunday, we have a host of, a feast of local musicians on mm. stage, which is going to be a fantastic event. And also, uh, we have a group coming up from Wexford, uh, and as Quiba was saying, an additional leads group, all additional leads, and they're playing nine accordions on stage. Yeah. On they're, the they're called Cummus. Cummus, yeah. And they're attending the workshops on the Friday, and they're staying for the weekend to, to perform for us. Terrific. Also, during the week, we have a, a book launch on a major programme, put together and it's about the history of music and songs and mead and it's a fabulous fabulous yeah. piece of this is something that you really want to catch hold of it really is the novel of work gone into this and it contexts the whole thing going right back to the present absolutely from way back from the mm. 1800s from the music now all we want please is the weather so are you listening there wherever you are let's have the sunshine all next week I'll tell you I've been watching the long range today it's looking good you know that just to give you yeah. a bit of encouragement it really is looking good, looking good listen yeah. time is going to kill us I need to talk to these two boys here Fionn and Oshin Durkin are with me before you play boys tell me this let me start off with Oshin first tell us what age are you um, I'm 13 and how long are you playing that banjo um, I'm playing this banjo for 8 years now so you started really young yeah is it a difficult instrument to to master uh, well yeah you need to practice a lot and you need to like work on it a lot but otherwise yeah are you competing you are yeah I am yeah are you going to win Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Let's bring into the conversation your younger brother, Fionn, is with you here as well. What age are you, Fionn? I'm 12. 12 years of age, and tell them what you're playing today. Uh, I'm playing the fiddle. And how long are you playing that? I've been playing it for six years. So you're quite an accomplished performer as well, six years with it. Do you love that instrument? Yeah, I like it. Why? What's great about it? Uh, I just like the sound and ah, I like yeah. just... I just like playing it. Yeah, the sound of it. I always think it talks to you, that instrument that you have there. It really does. So, boys, what are you going to play for me? Uh, we're going to play two reels. Yeah. Uh, the first one is called Farlow Gars and the second one is called Vanny's Goat. 
Well, let's hear it. I want to introduce them. They're a wonderful family, uh, the Dawkins. They were in Ireland's trad uh, Tradist family last year in 2018 and they did very well, the whole lot of them. But it's Fiona and Oshin Dorkin who are with us today. Away you go, boys. Heen do. Brilliant. Fun and Oshin Durkin. Congratulations to both of you. Now, that's a taste of what's to come in At Boy next week. It's not to be missed. Monday to Sunday next week, all happening in At Boy. Fla Lion, the Leinster Fla. Wish you well, David Gilroy, and all of your people as well. And thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks, David. Thanks to you. Thanks to Creva Levy, to Sean O'Leary, James Hesnan, and the boys, the Durkins, Fionn and Oshin. Thanks a million to you all, and good luck next week. That's a lot on late lunch for this Thursday afternoon. Paul's up next with the drive. See you tomorrow, one thirty. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors. Setting the standards higher for award-winning customer service you can trust. Visit your regional dealer for Renault and Dacia in the Northeast for exclusive offers with low-as-can-be APR finance and finance arranged within four hours. Dare to live? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.